Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm unashamedly a homer. I don't care about nothing besides the Dodgers and the Lakers. NFL season comes around, yeah, I'll cheer my silver and black, but they're not in Los Angeles anymore. And you're not going to see me rooting for some team that comes back in to this. Oh, no, 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 no. But my point being is that I'm invested, especially when it comes time for the postseason, when it's getting close, like my beautiful Lakers. That's why there's only one place I go when I'm concerned with anything regarding the world of sports, and that's my friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Lucy, Lucy, you are the best. Anyone who knows anything about me knows I love nicotine. It's an amazing drug. There's a terrible taboo around nicotine. There's a lot of stigma. You know why? Because of filthy, gross cigarettes and chewing tobacco and vaping. But nicotine itself, mm, a lot of good. A lot of good there. And that's why you should look to Lucy. It is the best place, the best place to get your nicotine. A nice four milligrams, a beautiful dose Wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate, gum, or the beautiful, amazing cherry ice-flavored lozenges, also with four milligrams of nicotine. It's 2021, okay? Ditch the cigarettes. Ditch the vape. No more chewing. Get yourself an effective way to get your nicotine without all the downside. Mikey likes you listeners. Go to lucy.co. Use the promo code Mikey. Get 20% off all products, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co. Use promo code M-I-K-E-Y at checkout. And remember, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co. And be sure to use the promo code Mikey. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, babies, my babies. What's up? Woo! Let's get down to business. I ain't got no time to play around. What is... Hi, Gloria. My dog, Gloria, is saying hello. She's essentially become my co-host now. Because of all her hard work at uh, bothering me. How's everyone doing? Oh, that's fantastic. How lovely. You've arrived. It's Mike Catherwood. And this is the Mikey Likes You Show. Where I talk about all things health, fitness, wellness, happiness. Um, yeah, so... I wanted to talk, I mean, I, I do <clears throat> like to engage in the topics that I think are not only relevant and important, but also stuff that you actually want to fucking listen to. I can do plenty of episodes where I'd be pumped and you guys would be like snoring. Um, but I try to stay away from that. I mean, I could, honestly, I could do four episodes about protein alone digestion rates and and different amino acid breakdowns and their certain uses of the separate amino acids that build up the certain different types of proteins blah, 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 blah. um and i would be incredibly happy to do that for me um but that's not really useful to many people um i want to talk about recovery because i talk so much about training and nutrition 
and all that fun stuff. And I genuinely think that one of the most misunderstood and crucial components of living a healthy life is recovery because it's not only recovery from your training. Um, for the most part, I would say, yeah, statistically speaking, God damn it, I forgot to turn off my... It was an email from the Dodgers. Um, statistically speaking, most of us don't train hard enough to concern ourselves greatly with recovery. Um, there's a lot made about that, and it, that bugs me. So, I mean, I guess I should get into that aspect of it first. And that is because of the growth, exponential growth of quote unquote functional training, things along the lines of CrossFit, people grossly overestimate how hard they're training. <laughs> you know, all, every CrossFitter I know, I'm gonna move my table in, so pardon the noise. Every CrossFitter I know, and that includes people who compete at the games to like people who have do, been doing it like a couple months. Um, they all talk about rhabdo and, and recovery and training and this. Listen, listen, listen close. You have to go so fucking hard to put yourself in a, in an actual therapeutic situation in, in some type of physical condition where you would need medical care because your your body is in such desperate need of recovery that is next level shit humans we went through world war 1 right like you're aware of this we went through world war 2 and vietnam and however many countless thousands of wars all over the globe for however you know god 2,500 years. And most of those humans did that with very little food and lots of stress. And, you know, granted, look, the, the lifespan of these people was, you know, 40 years, 40 years of age. But, but my point being that this, this, this meat wagon that we carry around our bodies is a beautiful machine and capable of really demanding things. Uh, and it gets away with it and, it, and it adapts very well. So don't, if you're a normal person, and I would even put myself in that category, I'm not extraordinary, I am in very good shape for a 42-year-old man. But I'm not an elite athlete, I'm not a, a high-level genetic freak, and I'm certainly not someone who lives a, a unattainable lifestyle, you know, uh, as far as eating and training wise. Y you know, I, for us normal folk, your training isn't as demanding as you may l make it out to be. Now, that being said, structuring, I just burped, structuring your training, oh, fuck, it wasn't a burp, it's a hiccups. Am I good? Yeah, I'm good. Um, structuring your training in a illogical way will hamper your recovery. And what, what I mean by that is training deadlifts 
the same day or the day after training squats is going to put you in a precarious situation as far as recovery because that's just so much direct stress on the lumbar region. The lumbar region nowhere near as strong or as stable as, you know, the, the, the driving muscles in those exercises. And so then you end up putting undue stress on a certain area and that's when you get into injury territory. Um, doing super high rep uh, 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 circuits with Olympic lifts, you know, these, these rather irrational things that I see being done definitely put you in a much more um, dangerous territory when it comes to things like injury or not, prop, or, or, um, not getting proper recovery. Training a specific muscle region too frequently or with too much intensity too frequently will absolutely impair your recovery and cause problems. But when I hear 28-year-old guys call me up and they're like, you know, I do CrossFit twice a week and I do jujitsu three times a week and I'm just feel like my recovery is not there, so I'm going to go do the sauna. I'm like, dude, whoa, slow your roll. Slow your roll, okay? Like, your recovery is fine. Are you sleeping a, a generally good amount of time each night? You know, six plus hours? Yeah, you're, you're fine, okay? You're eating enough. You're, you're good. You're not losing weight. Like, believe me, your recovery is okay. And the same thing goes if you're, if you're 150 pounds overweight and never exercised, okay? And, and again, I'm not, this isn't, there's no judgment here. I'm just pointing out, I'm using different examples for you to kind of get some idea. If you're a, a, dramatically overweight and never exercised, your recovery is fine from your daily walks and your twice a week, you know, body weight work. Okay? And any professional of any note in the fitness industry will prescribe and lead you in a, in a, in a direction that will be perfectly okay for you to make gains and not put yourself in a precarious situation as far as recovery is concerned. Competitive athletes definitely run the risk always of not being up to snuff in their recovery. Okay, so let's let's break down recovery as it is, because I think people look at it as this monolithic thing. Recovery. I need to be rested, well rested. I need to recover from life in 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 order to kind of battle back the stress that I put on myself. I need to give adequate rest to therefore make gains and and keep myself in balance. Yes, totally true. But the way that you keep yourself in balance isn't one uniform monolithic thing. What I mean by that is there is muscular skeletal recovery. Okay, you train your biceps, let's say. Um, you do your bi biceps, uh, calves, glutes. These things tend to get really sore. Um, you, you do your curls and you do your bicep workout and your arms are fucking sore as shit. You wake up the next day and you're like, oh my God. The other day, you, I may, you may have saw Nick Hardwick, friend of the show, former NFL stud, now hosts his own podcast and has his own programs and things. He's a great guy. I definitely encourage anyone to get behind him. Um, and not physically, you know, unless you want to get uh, beat up. Unless he's into that thing. Who knows? Uh, but to support the guy because he he's a definitely knows what he's talking about. And he's a smart, nice person. He put out on Instagram uh, this challenge, this push-up challenge. How many push-ups can you do in a day? And he wanted to bring awareness to the fact that even if you can't make it to the gym, you could still get a damn good workout. And he's right. 
So I took him up on it and I did 512 push-ups uh, last Saturday. And um, for most people, that's fucking insane. For someone like Bobby Maximus or something, that's nothing. He was probably scratching the surface for a guy like Bobby Maximus. But for me, it was a lot. And I woke up the next day. My chest was so fucking sore. I, I haven't been sore like that in my pecs since like high school, like beginning weightlifting. If I was to go and train chest, not only Sunday, but maybe even Monday or Tuesday, bad idea. My muscles themselves, the actual cellular tissue has not had a chance to recover yet. That is in glaring contrast to if I do sets, you know, a lot of you know, six, seven sets of squats with some intensity, my legs may not be that sore, but my central nervous system is fucking drained. So you're, you can have systemic fatigue that comes from myriad things, training being one of them, a big one, deadlifts, squats, Olympic lifts for sure, but any compound movement that demands a lot of your body physically from head to toe, it demands a lot of different muscle groups and it puts undue stress upon them, an extraordinary amount of stress on your body in a, in a comprehensive way. They drain your system aside from your musculoskeletal system. Very often I train with people uh, they come to me and they join my Patreon right at the top tier and I'm working with them. And a very common complaint I get, especially from people who have a lot of training experience, is like, I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. I'm not like sore. I'm not sweating. And I go, yeah, well, I believe you. But your system is probably very fatigued. And if it isn't, you sh it should be. Because things like lack of sleep, things like incredibly demanding training... Things like um, uh, stress, you know, life stress, things like poor diet, they create drainage on your system that is not represented in a measurable way with muscle soreness, okay? So you have to understand that there is those kind of different factors when it comes to measuring your recovery and then also bringing your recovery up to snuff to, to meet that. I don't want people training the way that I often encourage people to train. I don't want them training more frequently than they should. There's an incredible downside to that. Training intensely in a, in a kind of compact, intense way, there is a huge, huge downside to doing too much. There's Almost no downside, and in fact, oftentimes a huge upside into doing too little. What do I mean by that? If you train properly with good focus intensity and are measuring your, your statistics and your progress, there's measurable focus training going on. You're writing down your sets and your reps putting a little note there. Yeah, I got six at 315 pounds with deadlift. I could easily do more, I think, next time I'm going for seven or I'm, I'm up in the weight, blah, blah, blah. Next time you up the weight, whatever it may be. 
you're really focusing on linear progression, progressive overload of compound movements. You run very little risk of any uh, prohibition of progress by recovering too much. You run a tremendous risk of destroying your progress by training too much and not getting enough recovery. Okay? So let's analyze recovery from a kind of more well-educated perspective. How many times have you felt like you are on top of the world, you've got energy up the yin-yang, you wake up, woo, ready to go, but your, your ass is sore as fuck because you did walking lunges the day before or you did some squats and your, your legs are sore, but you're, you're still, energy is high. One can easily see that your central nervous system is still ready to go. You've probably been sleeping well. You're, you've been meditating, doing what you need to do to rest the musculoskeletal, excuse me, the central nervous system. Avoiding stress as best you can in life. Meditation, sleep, and diet. Those are the big factors there. But you're sore as shit. Okay, so you know that you have muscular skeletal issues that you must tend to, but it doesn't mean that you can't go and train that day because you do have, you're ready to rock. You're in the, you're, you have a green light as far as your central nervous system is concerned. Okay, avoid training those muscles <coughs> as best you can that are sore as shit. Train around them. Train around them in an adequate way to give your central nervous system the ability to stay in that green light zone. Also, another amazing aspect of recovery that many people overlook is training for recovery. Your legs are sore as shit. Your central nervous system's feeling good. I don't want you to just put your legs up on the wall and uh, do do fucking cough and bench presses, you know, with your, but I'm, I'm totally rested my leg. No, actually, a nice 45-minute walk at a decent pace will increase the recovery of those sore legs. Some yoga, mobility work in those legs would definitely be a great idea. So there is movement and training that helps facilitate recovery and doesn't take away from it. This is why, one of the major factors why, I, I won't say it's the major, the, the major factor why I lead people against this kind of long-term cardio is because of the metabolic damage, the hormonal and metabolic damage, okay? You, 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 you can ask anyone who has ever competed in endurance sports, your body doesn't like that, okay? Your metabolism does not benefit your hormones go in the toilet. That's one of the biggest reasons why I do it. Another big reason is, is that it doesn't facilitate recovery. What does? Walking. Staying in that zone one, zone two, you know, where your heart rate is, is very low, uh, below 35, 40% of your heart rate max. This increases your recovery. When people hear me say, hey, Mike, you told me I only need to train three days a week. 
you're training six days a week, twice a day. I don't get it. Yes, the six days, the, the 12 training sessions that I'm doing, only about four or five of them are hard as fuck. The rest have recovery in mind. They help facilitate my ability to go in and go harder in those four to five intense workouts. Recovery training is fantastic. It is a huge factor into why I encourage everyone to get those 10,000 steps a day because 10,000 steps a day, however you break it down, if you do you know, five 10-minute walks, if you do one big walk, whatever it is, I don't, I don't know how, you're, how it best fits your schedule. This is something that's getting your metabolism humming. It's burning a little bit of extra calories, but your circulation is increasing. It doesn't put any stress on your central nervous system. And it can help facilitate recovery in damaged muscle cells. Okay? So this is something that I think is overlooked. And it's another reason why I, I hope that you guys have all been gleaning some advice from me and, and take, heeding my advice about the importance of low-level cardiovascular training and doing it all day, every day. There was a huge mistake made when there was a big push in the bodybuilding world, probably late 80s to the mid 90s, where things transitioned greatly from aesthetics being, you know, size was certainly an issue. There weren't any pipsqueaks, you know, competing in bodybuilding, but it was just a factor. Late 80s, 90s, you know, a lot of people looked to certain people, but, you know, Dorian was certain, Dorian Yates was certainly the guy that ushered in the world of like, oh, fuck, we got to get huge. And a lot of guys made the mistake of training like animals and then just practically being like Wally characters the rest of their life and just making sure that they don't move a muscle. Um, and, you know, uh, it was a huge thing in the bodybuilding world. Nobody who was at the Mr. Olympia was doing it. But there was such a push in the world of bodybuilding for size, 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 that these guys just over, completely neglected the idea of recovery training. And it destroyed their, their gains. It destroyed their ability to, to make progress. The, the best of the best, the Ronnie Coleman's, the Jay Cutler's, the Dorian Yates, they all elevated themselves because they were consistently not only training like fucking animals. I mean, tr literally, like superhuman beasts but they were also every one of them you can go down and you can listen to them give se seminars or go back to their training videos they were doing half an hour 45 minutes in the off season of like riding an exercise bike super low intensity going for walks um and this goes back i don't know 70 years you start to see the real people who separated themselves early on in the mid middle of the 20th century the steve reeves the bill pearls jack lalanes they were all weight training like animals but you know steve reeves was a huge fan of hiking in the mountains he did it almost daily um you know uh who uh, not bill pearl god who's the guy who was perfect fucking symmetry god damn it uh, what was his name? I'll get it. Either way, you know, Arnold in Pumping Iron even showed he was doing his walks on the beach. He would like to do it right near the ocean because of the iodine and stuff. And they were really thinking they, they had ways of 
staying mobile and moving in a way that helped them train harder when it was time to train hard. So don't overlook recovery training. Another thing, foam rolling and deep tissue work. Foam rolling is excellent and it's cheap and everyone should do it. Don't neglect this like you're, you're too hardcore. The one downside to training with intensity when it comes to weight training is that once you make progress, it can, it doesn't have to, but it can distort your movement. You're adding muscle mass to different parts of your body. It never happens in a completely symmetrical way. So there's going to become distortions. If you, um, if your lats get tighter from, you know, being bigger and wider, your biceps do the same. It's going to detract from your ability to say like snap a punch or throw a fastball. That doesn't have to be the case. If you are constantly working that tissue and fascia um, and, and making sure that your range of motion and mobility stay where they were. And range of motion is not something that really gets affected negatively by weight training if you do it properly. In fact, it increases. And there's conclusive and ample scientific proof to show this. The range of motion can increase, but your distorted movement patterns will be affected. So if you're lifting weights and gaining muscle mass and strength, you want to work on keeping those movement planes working properly and functioning properly. Um, the knees over toes guy is about as good as anyone in the business at doing this. I highly encourage everyone to check this out. Um, and then also any type of dynamic movement, okay? Not what you all think of when you think of mobility work, which is static stretching. I'm going to hold this stretch for 15 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever it is. Yoga type stretching. That is not helping you. If it helps you emotionally, go for it, do it. But that is not helping your movement patterns. Moving through a dynamic uh, range of motion and maintaining proper motion and activity in different planes, that's what you need to be looking at. What do I, can I give you some examples? Absolutely. Club work, weighted club work, you know, for your shoulder girdle. Um, wall squats, not wall, where you squat with your back to the wall holding it. I'm talking about facing a wall and going down deep into a squat and doing it over and over again. I do wall squats all the time. The closer and closer you can get to the wall while still doing a full squat, the better off your mobility and your range of motion and your planar function is going to be. Um, Hindu push-ups, overhead squats. These are stability and function increasing activities that I definitely think everyone should be doing. Because this is another aspect of recovery. You don't want your training to hamper your ability to move in any way. Training should always enhance your life in every aspect. If it's not enhancing your life, it is wrong. If training is taking away from your social life, you're, you're training too much or you're training improperly. If training is taking away from your um, range of motion, you're training improperly. If training is taking away from your ability to move smoothly, you're training improperly. I have been guilty of this absolutely for many, many years. I still always maintained incredible dexterity and movement in my legs, but my upper shoulders have become so locked in that now I'm having a hard time even undoing the damage 
even though I, I try hard. I try hard. I train really hard in boxing and, and Muay Thai. And I can whip kicks pretty damn good. I would not be embarrassed to whip out some kicks in front of professional fighters. I, I'm still wildly embarrassed at showing my punching ability. Why? Not because I don't understand what good form is, but I have a hard time even achieving it. Even though my brain tells me what to do properly, my shoulders and my upper thoracic is so fucking tight that I can't. And what is that from? Being an idiot 19-year-old and just eating tons of calories and bench pressing all day and overhead pressing all day to impress my friends and not doing any type of thoracic mobility. Okay, so another aspect of recovery, again, training for recovery, mobility work, dynamic mobility work. I also encourage everyone, um, I always have clients check out the Stuart McGill Big Three. These are stability and core exercises that are always going to take you in good places. Um, light kettlebell circuits of things like windmills, things like... Um, overhead one-armed kettlebell squats. These are movements where you're, you're training your body to move in planes in a, in, a, in a fantastic and beneficial way, okay? So there you go. I, you know what? I, I could even make a video of some of the positive and uh, beneficial um, functional mobility work that I do. Don't move. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Mikey likes you, listener. You know I'm all about health, right? Sure, pumping iron's great. Going on a nice walk, getting out in nature. Meditation. All these things are important. Believe you me. But something that's equally as important, and I think often overlooked, sex. That's right. Sweet, beautiful sex. I'm positive. I'm sex positive, bro. I'm here to promote it. And you know who else is sex positive? Adam and Eve. Woo! AdamandEve.com. Best place to get anything you want to spice up the bedroom. And you know what else is awesome? Free stuff. Free stuff. You heard me correctly. Select almost any item for 50% off. And then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. All you got to do, enter the offer code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. That's one zero ten. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And you get six free adult movies. Now we're really talking. Plus, you get free shipping on top of all that. A nice little gift wrap for that amazing package. That's B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, at checkout. Only at adamandeve.com. All right, baby. So we've talked about recovery a little bit. Um, musculoskeletal recovery versus central nervous system recovery. Um, ways to train not only around it, but through it and help you um, be a better athlete. Let's talk a little bit about recovery practices that can aid you when you are just feeling beat. First thing first, and please, I've been this guy. Don't be this guy. Don't be this girl. Don't overlook how important sleep is. I think there's this weird hardcore thing where it's like, I don't fucking need it. I'll sleep four hours a night. Trust me, you will be fucked up. It's only a matter of time. Even if you're 25, 
Can you get away with it more than a guy who's 45? Fuck yeah. But it still catches up to you. I will give you some firsthand uh, uh, experience. In the mid to late 2000s, you know, the aughts, I guess, I was hosting the Kevin and Bean Morning Show. I was not hosting. I was a member of the Kevin and Bean Morning Show here in Los Angeles. That show went live at 5 a.m. I usually got to work around 4.45, 4.30. That meant I had to wake up around 3.45. For about five years, I was also hosting Loveline, which was live from 10 a.m., excuse me, 10 p.m. to midnight. So I would get home from Loveline around 1 a.m. and then have to wake up at 3.45. I wouldn't change it for the world because it was amazing. I got to be a part of these huge, big market syndicated radio shows and millions of people could hear me and it was awesome. But you better fucking believe I was not at the top of my game. My training suffered. My mood suffered. I was a curmudgeon to be around, which is pretty different than who I really am as a person. I'm not a curmudgeon. I'm a pretty smiley, happy dude. And I was not a smiley, happy dude for that period of my life. Uh, and my body, I was really thin, but not good thin. Like I didn't have, I can show pictures. It's just, yeah, I was thinner. And I know to a lot of you over there, out there who are really concerned with losing weight, you're like, well, what are you fucking complaining about? Well, I was also higher in body fat percentage. I didn't look as good. And I was in my 20s and early 30s. So sleep is huge. It is the time when biologically your body says, now we can recover and recoup from life. So sleep, please sleep seven plus hours a night, every night, consistently. Now, I understand life comes at you quick. And for those of you that are cops or firemen or, you know, you have a job that's erratic. Your schedule isn't something you can just say, well, I'm sleeping seven hours tonight and that's that. I get it, but do what you can to work around that. For the rest of us who do have a more set schedule, just bite the bullet, be responsible, be an adult. You're not a 21-year-old frat girl, or excuse me, sorority girl or frat guy. Be, be an adult, okay? Sleep is important. It's that important. It really, really is. It will force you to get discouraged and eventually give up on your training and your dieting because you'll be putting in so much work for so long an amount of time, not getting results, and you'll go, what the fuck's wrong with me? I fucked this whole thing. I'm going to give up. You know why? Because you've been sleeping four hours a night and you've been counting your calories and you've been eating high protein and you've been lifting and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, how come I don't have what I want? And I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably because you're not tending to your sleep. It literally is your body's, as a primate, your body's biological time to recover. So, do all the things you need to do. First and foremost, in today's day and age, that means don't look at your phone for a good chunk of time before it's time to go to bed. I found an hour to be really, really good. Don't look at your phone. Get all your emails or your work done 
put your fucking laptop and your phone away uh, outside of where you sleep. Buy an alarm clock if that's the way you wake up. Buy an alarm clock so you don't need your phone and get rid of it. Trust me, it's that big a deal. Another thing, don't sleep in a sauna. Your sleep is designed to be done in a cool environment. Now, if you live in Green Bay, I understand. That's totally different than me here in Southern California. But just don't get the heaters up into the 80s and then get under covers and also wear flannel fucking underwear. Here's my point, is that your body does respond. It does relax in that cool state. 68... 70 is, you know, what they actually encouraged smaller, lower than that. But I understand, like, you know, not all of us are fucking biohackers and going to sleep on like a chilled pad. But do what you can to get it as cold as you feel comfortable in and sleep in an environment that is as cool as comfortable. Do not have lights in your room, even night lights and shit. Get it as black as you can. Get blackout curtains if you need to. Darken your room. It does make a difference. These are biological things. Here's another one that I don't think a lot of people understand. There's been a lot of talk and science showing eating before bed is bad for sleep. Probably true. I mean, it's still kind of up in the air, but it having a somewhat empty tummy might be a benefit, and it certainly is a benefit for those of you who are doing intermittent fasting. But your brain doesn't sleep. That's why we have dreams. Your heart, involuntary things, they don't shut off when you sleep, right? You still have to breathe and you still your brain still goes. That's why we have dreams. Your brain functions off of glucose. So I always like to push my carbs until later in the day. Right, My last meal of the day will have some fruit in it. Um, and that gives your brain the ability to function therefore giving your body the message to fall asleep because your brain will keep you awake at night. That is why people who do cardio, uh, ketogenic diets have a, a bit of a layover before their body becomes adapted to fat and ketones. There's this, you know, who, who knows how long, it could be 10 days, it could be two months, where you have a lot of trouble sleeping because your, body, your brain is looking for that glucose, but you're not putting any glucose in your body. There's a little bit of glucose it can draw from your muscles, but... Eventually, it needs to turn to ketones. That's the magic of the ketogenic diet. But there is a there is a, a holdover there, you know, where there's a time where it's just not getting anything that it needs. So if you're not on a ketogenic diet, carbs before bed. If you are on a ketogenic diet, MCT oil or um, exogenous ketones before bed because your brain will function quite well on ketones in the absence of glucose. So here's a, here's a tip that I really think people should take to heart. If you're on a low-carbohydrate diet, a ketogenic diet, um, that's the time to give your brain some MCT oil, coconut oil, something that bypasses the liver, gives you immediate brain energy, and then also uh, carbs for uh, people who are not on a ketogenic diet. I think fruit is the best choice because fructose has been shown to be really beneficial at getting to the brain, you know, passing the brain barrier. Um, most uh, effectively. All right, so we've covered sleep. Meditation. 
There's a lot of you out there who have me just hear the word meditation and you're already like, fuck it, let's go, skip. It is that useful. It is not what it once was, where it's only for super granola hippies and you have to be in some contorted position and do ums and ahs all the time. There are incredibly simple, useful, kind of everyday world type people, forms of meditation that I can't explain how effective they are. Are they going to radically change everything and all of a sudden you're going to become rich and happy? No, but it's going to definitely make an impact on how you deal, naturally deal, with stress and cortisol and, you know, the natural hormonal reactions that come to stress. And we all have stress, right? If you don't have any stress, I want to, A, meet you, and B, call bullshit. If you live in America or anywhere in the world where we have to have jobs and pay bills, you have fucking stress. We look at Instagram, we watch the news, all this stuff creates incredible animus. You have stress, deal with it. It's not your fault that you have stress. It is your fault if you don't deal with it. It's the exact same thing with addiction. People always say, I, listen, it's not your fault. I know there's a million people out there that want to say, oh, it's not a real, it's not a fucking disease. No, listen, you, if you're an addict, an alcoholic, an addict, you do have, you were born with certain biological differences and discrepancies in your brain, in your body that make it so that you are an addict. One of these people that just, no matter what, you can't fucking stop. Okay, that is not your fault. What you do about it is definitely your fault. If you acknowledge, yeah, well, shit, I'm an alcoholic. I mean, I'm drinking a fifth a day just to get out of bed. Uh, okay, so what? I have kids haven't talked to me in two years, and wife left me. I lost my job. Uh, let's just ride this into the sun. The fact that you have to drink a fifth to get out of bed, not your fault. The fact that you're not doing shit about it, all on you. And the same thing goes for how you deal with stress. It's just part of being alive in 2021. Stress is going to hit you. Sometimes more than, more than other times. Your loved ones are going to die. You're going to lose a job or get a pay cut. Or there's, your, your, your partner's going to yell at you. You're going to get, whatever it is, someone's going to dump you. That's going to elevate your stress. There's other times where you get a raise or you celebrate your parents' 80th birthday and everyone's happy and it like, and of course the stress is lower, but still waking up day after day, stress gonna fuck with you a little bit. So take the time to just meditate. I don't want to go through the exact X's and O's of how you should do it, but I will guide you in the direction of people who can do that for you. Emily Fletcher of Ziva, Z-I-V-A, has the best protocol at, for normal, everyday people. It's not for monks living in, in the Himalayas. It's for everyday people with families and jobs and the whole thing. Her protocol is a bit pricey at zivameditation.com, but she wrote a book. Emily Fletcher is her name. 
that breaks down the entire protocol and it is not that expensive, I encourage you all to grab it if you want to start there. I have started using Sam Harris's program called Waking Up and it is uh, app-based. I really like it because it offers a bunch of different types of meditation for different times in your life dealing with different types of stress. There's meditation for getting you to sleep. There's meditation for anxiety. There's meditation for uh, depression. There's meditation for getting you, you know, amped for your big meeting or your big, uh, you know, your big uh, competition, whatever it may be. You know, there's ones to get you in, in the zone. There's ones for creativity. And Sam Harris, I know a lot of people have political problems with Sam Harris, and that's your business. I I'm not here to guide you in any direction. But you can't deny Sam Harris, a fucking intellectual black belt. The guy's really smart and really well studied. And he has discovered that aside from the intellectual capacity that one has and how you can strengthen that, you have psychological and emotional capacities and you can always raise those up. He has found that meditation has been crucial in doing so. And he has given this program, again, it is called Waking Up. I know there's a lot of others that are really popular um, and I'm not steering you against them. But these are two that I know to be really effective and that I can encourage you to do. Foam roll, foam roll, foam roll. I, foam roller's like six bucks on um, Amazon. Uh, also, if you're willing to make the investment, these guns that essentially do deep tissue, I use the Tim Tam, but there's also the Theragun and there's a million of those. Those are great. And that's not a, it's not a novelty investment those kick ass at getting into the deeper tissue, which is something that we can all use if you're going at it. If you're, if you're trying to make a change in your life and you're trying to do the damn thing, invest the time and effort into doing the, 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 the deep tissue and the foam rolling because it will absolutely make a difference. These affected areas uh, can always use added attention when it comes to... Uh, removing knots and fascia problems and they can also always use the added circulation that comes from doing these practices last but not least certainly is diet overall simply eating less will solve most of your problems i don't care if you're eating twinkies I don't care if you're eating McDonald's. Everyone knows Supersize Me. Very few people know the alternative to Supersize Me where a college professor ate at McDonald's every day for however long uh, Morgan Spurlock did, but he chose to have a, a, cap, a calorie cap, but he still ate at McDonald's every day. All the stuff on the menu, lost a ton of weight. All his blood markers increased and, and improved. All his negative blood markers went down. So losing weight and eating less over a prolonged period of time will solve most of your problems. Now, just eating whatever the fuck you want and eating less of it is not really sustainable. And there are certain things that you can eat that A, make it easier to eat less and B, are going to help promote the idea of recovery both emotionally, psychologically, and physically. These things are collagen protein, certain fruits, absolutely recommend the citrus fruits, um, fattier meats and fish, you know, deep water fish or fish oil if you're just not going to eat fish. 
These are things that are going to improve mood and they're going to have a positive effect. Um, tea, green tea, black tea, they all have different benefits, but tea above and beyond most things is going to create a less amount of central nervous system stress. All right, so late at night, herbal tea, during the day, regular tea. Um, I, I still drink, I'm a huge coffee drinker too. It's just that coffee can in turn create less recovery because if you drink it too late, it prevents you from sleeping. So obviously do the math. But these are ways that you can really analyze and then do something about your recovery. You can't just look at it as like, do I feel up to it or am I doing enough? Am I doing too little? There should be some type of measurable approach because that is the key to most, that's a fundamental key to any type of organizational progress is having a measurable way to analyze problems and then setting a goal to fix them and holding yourself accountable to that metric. My friends, I love you. Thank you to all my sponsors and to Bet Online for bringing you this podcast. And remember, in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, I do. Be good. Hey, before you go, I think we can all agree Magic Spoon's the best. I'm sitting here with my wife, she's watching me, rolling her eyes because I'm so dumb when I do my stupid commercials. But one thing she can get behind in my life is that sweet magic spoon. Woohoo! Am I right? Hell yeah. Do we not have a, an entire collection, a, 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 a missile silo prepared for the end of the world with nothing but different boxes of different flavors of amazing <laughs> magic spoon? Shut up, Harry. <laughs> Am I right, Bianca? Oh, easy. Magic spoon tastes as good, if not better, than your favorite childhood cereals but the best part is is that it has 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs in each serving 140 calories what that's nothing and you may be saying to yourself oh yeah they just put a bunch of protein powder with a bunch of crap no listen to me and listen close keto friendly gluten free grain free soy free low carb gmo free Go to magicspoon.com slash Mikey, grab a variety pack and try it today and be sure to use our promo code M-I-K-E-Y at checkout and save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon, so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey and use the code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.